Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. So many events are coming back and we're happy to tell you about them here on Special Edition. They include an upcoming fundraiser for Tracy's Hope and Hospice. Also, three events that are coming back, one that's happening this weekend. Also, if the movie Pet Cemetery sends a chill down your spine, you won't want to miss the NEPA Horror Fest and Scranton DIY Punk Collective. That's coming in June. In order to get from here to there, you may need to drive, and we have two of the people who will give you some very good advice on how to travel safely. Coming up later this month, it is the Purple Stride event for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. All you need to know to go will be right here. Continuing our celebration of April being World Autism Awareness Month, the Graham Academy is bringing autism awareness to the community through their second annual Light It Up Blue campaign. Joining us to tell us about the Graham Academy in Kingston, Jim Prisk, Director of Operations, and Carol McGrain. She's the Program Director and invites us in. Hi, the Graham Academy is a school for children living with autism and social and emotional challenges. We currently have two locations. Our lower school is located in Kingston, Pennsylvania, and our upper school is located in Luzerne, Pennsylvania. We currently service 28 school districts from numerous counties across our area, and we now have 158 students that we are servicing. Excellent. And Jim, what is your role in the Graham Academy? So my role is Director of Operations. Um, I help out in, in many different aspects within the organization uh, between both of our locations. Vast um, amount of things that all of us do on the administrative team to, to make everything work. Um, but, you know, some of the things more specifically that I handle are, you know, more things on, on the business end of, of, of what we do. Well, and that is important because, again, if you're dealing with students, there's a lot to go that goes into that. So, Carol, when we're talking about the Graham Academy and you're serving so many of the other areas, how how does it all come together in your buildings when it comes to dealing with students with autism? We have an incredible staff and we work really well as a team. So we are a staff of almost 100 right now. 
And we do a lot of professional development. We have meetings every day. We call our meetings flash meetings in the morning. We meet as a, as a unit and we ensure that everything for the operational part of the day is going to occur. A lot of our students come in to our building in the morning and we're not sure how the day is going to go. So our preparation is really important to make their day successful. When we train our staff, we make sure that everyone understands that when you know one child with autism, you know one child with autism. So every child in our program is treated as an individual with the respect and dignity that they deserve. And when we're talking about that, in particular, students with autism have many different types of needs. And Jim, on the administrative end, that must come into play in your realm because there are so many different things out there. Sometimes you don't even know exactly what's coming next. So you have to be prepared for all that. Absolutely. And, you know, one one of the messages that we really try to convey and build deeply into the culture of our program is kind of what, what Carol said. If you've met one person living with autism, you've met one per- person living with autism. Our population of students with autism spectrum disorder, with it being a spectrum disorder, one of the best things about our facility for both of our schools is that we have students all over the spectrum. We have students who have little to no language, who a lot of assistance with, you know, more functional needs. And some of the related services that we offer, like speech and language pathology, occupational therapy, physical therapy. And with our students who don't have that speech and language yet, or are just starting to emerge with that, that's where we have to come together as a team, where our related services, especially, you know, like with the speech therapists, working to develop those skills and then communicating with the staff and making sure that it's reinforced out of those speech sessions so that it's transferred into the classroom. And then hopefully over time, their abilities start to strengthen. You know, our goal, no matter what kind of outcome each staff may individually think each student has as far as their future goes once they're done at the Grand Academy, we're still going to push for our students to be as independent as possible. Students who don't have that ability to communicate even the most basic things, like basic physiological needs, I'm hungry or I'm thirsty, when they don't have that ability to communicate it verbally like you and I can, they may display that by engaging in behaviors of concern. And so it's our job to be able to figure out what the function of that is. Very easy to think maybe a student's acting out because they don't want to do work or they're trying to get attention or maybe it's something as basic as they're hungry or thirsty. That's where we have to put our heads together to try to figure out individually for all of our students what some of these things mean and how we can build these skills so that they can communicate that in a more, you know, normalized fashion. Every student is individual. Absolutely. Carol, I'm going to go back over to you now. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of the background of the Graham Academy. This was a unique idea that was brought to us, brought to this area by a woman named Tina Willette. Tina opened the school in Luzerne in 2008 with one student, and she had a vision for providing students with special needs the opportunity to excel in a program outside of their district, where sometimes that program might be too big. Cafeterias may be too loud for those students, and she wanted to have a a unique program for students in this area. As it evolved, she eventually had brought her son into the program, Nick Willette, and Nick had also had the same vision, and he took over the program. He started having more students coming in from more districts. 
It was in around 2012 that I joined this program with Nick. Our growth rate had been just exponentially been moving forward for us where we needed to open up a second location. In 2020, the year of the pandemic, we saw that there was a need again for us to figure out how we were going to provide programming to special needs students through a remote world. Thanks to this team, we really did it successfully. Um, In August of 2020, we were then acquired by a company called SESI, Specialized Education Services Incorporated. They are now our owners and are the vision for us to continue in this program. And we have, again, evolved. What started out in 2008 with one student is now in 2022 with 158. And our program continues to show progress, and so do our students. And we're trying to continue to grow, and we expect to continue to grow. Um, But the success from this program comes from the team that's involved, and that that team is who, who continues to build it. I go back to Jim. You're taking in school districts throughout the area, so now you've got transportation. And as Carol mentioned, you had to do this during the pandemic. How do you put all that together? It's been a slow progression of, you know, bringing in students from additional districts, surrounding areas, and like Carol said, 28 different school districts. One of the big things right now that we're, as we're looking towards the future, is since we have some students who have a five-minute commute to school, and we have some students who have an hour and a half commute to school. As we're looking to the future and as we're continuing to grow with student enrollment, I have to start putting the heads together about expansion of the program. So, you know, we're obviously in preliminary discussions about it, but to be more effective and, and more efficient, maybe we can help eliminate some of the long commutes that some of our students have. But again, you know, those those are things we're, we're very conscious of that, you know, we're, we're trying to put together with the help of a lot of people to see how we can make it even better. All, all the changes are always student-centered. If we stop and think, all right, you know, we've become as good as we can be, um, and we just become complacent with that, then that's when things are going to start to fall apart because there's lots of information out there. You don't know what you don't know. And we want to continue to grow and try different things out. So to make it as good as possible for students as we're starting to grow, we're very conscious of trying to, to make this easier for our students who do live farther away. So there's a lot of things in the works. We're very excited about it. And, you know, when the time comes that we figure things out, we're going to figure them out and announce things. We're, we're very excited about what the, what the future holds. We're out there. More people are aware of us now as we've grown, obviously. So, you know, there's, there's more interest from all different areas. Carol, what can I do in order to find out more or can I come for a tour? How does that work? We uh, partner with our sending school districts. If I do get calls daily from parents. And what happens is then we refer to the school district where the child resides and the parent resides. Um, I reach out to the school district and I let the school district know that this parent is expressing interest in our program and if it would be okay for them to come in to tour the program. And then we would just open the door for them to come in and, and see it. What we do is we initially try to get the parent to come through it. We try to be as transparent as possible. So we do tour our parents and their, and their children during the school day so that they could see it up and running. And it's, you know, an open door. Um, they can go in to see the classrooms. They can go in to see the students. 
And that's important to us because it may not be the right place, but it may be. And they don't know that until they can see how the program runs and how it operates and speak to our administrators about what we offer here. And then what happens to the students? Because again, the upper school goes to 12th grade, correct? That is correct. Our students can stay in program till age 21. You know, that is up to the parent if they want to choose to keep them in program till 21. So under the the federal regulations in Pennsylvania, students can stay in program till age 21. They can graduate at the age of 18 if the parent feels that it's something they would like them to do. As Jim said, we have students on all spectrums, students currently who are in Misericordia University and getting a college education. We have students who are in technical schools who are living their lives right now as welders. And then we have students that will be in day programs after graduation. So whatever the student's ability is and and where they are in the spectrum, we encourage the opportunity for them to be employable, have the opportunity to reach out to post-secondary opportunities. And we give our, our families who have students that may never be employable opportunities to reach out to the community services to see what's available when they do leave us. You're constantly expanding. Jim is right. But it's not all school, Carol. There must be some fun in there. (laughs) We do. We have a lot of fun. Our day goes pretty quick. We work really well as, as a team. You know, Jim, myself and my associate director, Laura, pretty shoulder to shoulder throughout the work day. If you don't make it fun, then others will come feed off of that. We have a garden program at both locations. So our students right now will be in the midst of planting for the spring, and we encourage a um, seed-to-table program. So as spring comes upon us, the gardens are going to start growing, and the students will be going outside to harvest what they've planted. We'll bring it into the school, and they will then cook with it, learn how to make meals with it, and my goal for the summer program is to harvest enough produce to be able to send home to families. The Graham Academy kicked off World Autism Awareness Month, which is happening throughout April, with their second annual Light It Up Blue campaign. You had balloons, but you're also involved with Wilkes University, King's College Education Department. What's all that about? We have been partnering with Wilkes University and King's College for the last couple of years. We had an idea a couple of years ago as an education major myself. You know, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for me when I was in college to get into settings and to see what education was about. We had spoken to the deans of both college and university, and we had partnered with them for them to be able to offer their theory classes in our buildings. So their special education majors come to our program. They have their theory class with their professor here on site, and then the professor will send them out to our classrooms to do their observations. And we work closely with them to be able to provide those special education majors the opportunity to see what special education is and working what a special needs child is. Because, as you know, a college education is very expensive. So in sophomore year of college, if if this isn't for you, this is the opportunity for you to see, yep, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life or this isn't what I want to do. And with that, we have 
we have really created and developed a, a great relationship with both Wilkes and Kings and their education departments in building not only their programs, but building from ground up our program as well. And we've, we've hired some of our student teachers to come into the program and work as special education teachers in our program. And speaking of building, part of your Light It Up Blue campaign is going to go toward building a playground? Yes, that's in partnership with the Wilkes-Barre City. So Mayor Brown is currently working on a special needs park that is located in Kirby Park. He started this project last year. And when we heard about it, it was very near and dear to our hearts because that is a population we work with. And there are specific equipment that students that we work with need to be able to utilize. And why shouldn't they have something that's accessible to them? So we had decided that our proceeds from our Light It Up Blue campaign would go back to the city to help them with that project. Is there still a way that any of our listeners could help out with that campaign? Absolutely. They can reach out to me, Carol McGrain at the Graham Academy. You know, let us know if they're interested We have yard signs. We have blue bows um, for your porches. We have T-shirts and we have lapel pins. The puzzle piece was created by one of our students. So we had a contest and Russell Heron, our student, won the design contest. And we have now created the puzzle piece on multiple items for sale. And how would people get in touch with you if they would like to get involved in that? They can call the school. The phone number is 570-283-0641. And you also have something coming up, did I see on, because I think you have a Facebook page, correct? We have that Facebook page and there's actually a link we posted late last week. So on Facebook, the Graham Academy NEPA, and we posted a, a link for the order form, things like that. So we'll have information to come, we will be posting on Facebook all the information, contact information on it as well. And coming up later in the month, you also have a donation night for Texas Roadhouse. Yum. Yeah, they reached out to us last week and and autism is near and dear to their heart. So they had asked if they were able to do April 29th, starting at three o'clock. If you go to Texas Roadhouse, 10% of your check would go back to the donation for Light It Up Blue. Excellent. Jim was right. Things just continue to grow and to move forward. And I'm thrilled that I had the opportunity to get to meet both of you and for you to open the door and let us into the Graham Academy, which, as I said before, many of our listeners may have not had that opportunity. I'll give you both the last word, whatever we haven't talked about, whatever you would like to mention or reiterate. Jim and Carol, take it away. Paula, I appreciate it. I think that, you know, when I started at the Graham Academy in 2012, one out of 80 children were diagnosed with autism. And here we are in 2022 and is now one out of every 40. So it is an awareness that we really need to be cognizant of. And we really need to reach out to those families who are working with their children and their children who have this diagnosis to know that there are people out there like us who are willing to help um, and support them. Jim? Paula, I appreciate all your time. We just encourage, you know, any of the listeners out there who are hearing this, any any participation that you'd like to us out with, again, you can refer to the Facebook page. You can call us if you have a child in your family um, who's living with autism and you, you want to explore, you know, different options. 
don't hesitate to give us a call. Thanks once again to Carol McGrain and Jim Prisk from the Graham Academy in Kingston. Now don't go away. We're getting ready for Purple Stride on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Mark your calendar for April 30th. That's when the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network Purple Stride event will be taking place. Dan LaMagna, the affiliate chair for NEPA, is here and he has everything you'll need to know to go. This is, you know, one of the worst cancers out there. It's a very low survival rate, which we are working very hard to increase. Um, You know, lost my dad to cancer, been impacted by this and don't want to see anyone else go through that same struggle. Pancreatic cancer begins when abnormal cells in the pancreas grow and they divide out of control to form a tumor. Um, When we identify this in in my dad, he had a tumor the size of a softball. And that is the importance of early detection. Um, It's it's a gland that's located deep in the abdomen between the stomach and the spine, so it's hard to detect. And that's where our pancreatic cancer group right here in Northeast PA specifically is joining this national effort to increase education, awareness, and, and money to combat this disease and we're making strides and condolences on your dad and when we're talking about pancreatic cancer you mentioned the fact that and we have we've talked about this before and we we talked about the big event that you have coming up this year and glad to have it back again so that we can get out there and and talk to people so why have you noticed any strides being made because i know it's pen can purple stride so have there been strides made in detection there has the, the science behind this and, and where how we see our efforts and our fundraising going to research just from when i lost my dad in 2002 the survival rate was under 5% here we are now in 2022 and it's 11% which is still incredibly too small but with earlier detection and this education awareness is, is getting out there we're saving lives and that survival rates increasing but we got to stay the course. We got to keep at it and, and, you know, get that number up even higher. And when we're talking about the early detection, are there things that our listeners might not know as far as going to the doctor and saying, hmm, might be something going on here? Yeah, most certainly. I can't recommend enough to listen to your body. Don't try to tough it out. Don't think it's just your, your, you know, your normal, I'm having an off day. If you are having pain in the abdomen or the back, or you're seeing some weight loss, you're fatigued, jaundice, uh, loss of appetite, nausea, these signs, this fatigue or weakness, or sometimes even depression, go get it checked out. Don't wait. Um, it's so critical. You know, sometimes it's, it, you know, the healthcare system's a challenge. We don't get in there soon enough as it is. So don't put off. Every, every week is important to go in there and, and get this detected. I know one of the things that when we talk about cancer in any type of cancer, family history is always a forefront big factor. I'm assuming that in pancreatic cancer, it's the same. And in your instance, Dan, did your family have anything like that? You know, I didn't realize it at the time, Paula, but in in speaking with my mom, she has identified numerous relatives that we have lost to pancreatic cancer. 
So there is a hereditary piece there um, that's important to know and be aware of. Um, I think there is um, they have genetic testing, the pancreatic cancer group, which is pretty impressive. It's something I'm definitely um, going to consider here as, as I'm getting a little, a little bit older. Um, so that they could detect that, you know, but that's one big piece. And then other things like longstanding diabetes, there's a lot of correlation between diabetes and pancreatic cancer. Um, you mentioned, you know, the, the hereditary piece, smoking, um, the older we get, the more susceptible we are, as they say, especially over the age of 60, um, males are a little more likely, um, diets, red and high in red and processed meats, um, obesity. There's all these different factors that do come into play. And one of the things looking at the, at the website, which is pancan.org, um, gum disease, I never even, never heard that in anything else except pancreatic cancer. So it pays to get some information. Most certainly. And I always recommend anyone who has been diagnosed or knows someone who's diagnosed to go to pancan.org. There's a plethora of information on the national website and there's even a patient central number that phone number, again, they will tell you anything from knowledge of the disease to the best doctors in your area or in the nation, um, just 24-7 support there. And that is very important. Pre-diagnosis, diagnosis, post-diagnosis, always important to have someone to talk to. Now, let's get into the event. Saturday, April 30th, where and when, Dan? This is big here. We are at the Lackawanna River Heritage Trail on April 30th. Um, we'll be there bright and early, uh, nine in the morning. And what's different this year, Paula, is we've got national. Uh, you and I were speaking last June. Normally, this was a summer event, but the Pancreatic Cancer Organization is, is growing. Um, there's going to be 59 chapters celebrating their Purple Stride on the same day. Uh, so, you know, you get a lot more national support from that happening. Hopefully, Mother Nature holds out. That's our biggest concern here in Northeast PA. But we will be at the Lackawanna River Heritage Trail having a wonderful walk. It is going to be emceed by WNEP's Carmela Mataloni, who has family that has been impacted by, you know, pancreatic cancer and cancer as well, who's excited to support us. We're going to have food and beverage along a three-mile route that's there for people to walk in honor of, um, you know, fighting this disease and supporting family. Everyone will be wearing purple. Purple's our color. So on April 30th, hopefully Northeast PA could all go purple. We'll have purple play zones, games, all kinds of fun for kids, um, a little uh, big board there we could sign in honor of family members and all kinds of fun from cornhole to other games, uh, you name it, for, for the grown-ups and the kids. Now, is this something that we have to pre-register for or can we just say, I'm going and I'm going right now? We, we will, we love support no matter how you want to get involved. Um, you could just show up the day of the race, sign up. There'll be a registration table once you walk in. Um, you know, or if you just want to join the festivities and, and support any way you can, we appreciate that. Um, but you can uh, register in advance. You can literally just Google NEPA Purple Stride and it will take you right to our event site. You can also find us on Facebook, NEPA Purple Stride. You can also go to pancan.org. So there's a lot of ways to find us. Look us up Northeast PA with the Northeast PA chapter. Um, anyone who signed up 
and donated $50 will get a free t-shirt for the event. And again, whether you want to sign up, walk, volunteer, just enjoy the festivities and wear purple, uh, we just love for people to support. Oh, that sounds like it's going to be a great day. So Dan, I'm going to give you the floor one more time, issue the invitation, get everybody out there. And I know just because of the fact that you're going to be there with a great big smile on your face, Mother Nature is going to smile on you. I know that. I believe that, Paul. I'm willing the nice weather into the air here right now. And on April 30th, I will be there to greet everybody with our great Purple Stride team of volunteers. Um, there's going to be some survivors there, again, some special guests. And we're going to have a great time. It's, it's, I think we're all excited, too, because you know we've been navigating through this pandemic for two years, and we're starting to get back to some normalcy. A nice, beautiful day outside where we could rejoice and, and bring this tradition back to the, to the large event it was a couple of years ago, um, right before the pandemic. Pandemic, we raised one hundred ten thousand dollars for pancreatic cancer. We are thirty-two percent to our goal right now. We haven't already raised thirty-five thousand, and uh, we just want to get the word out there. So hopefully, there's a lot of smiling faces on the Heritage Trail April thirtieth. What time? Uh, we'll be starting at nine a.m. Come. We'll be there for, for quite a few hours, so please get there. Get there early to sign up if you want to be a part of the walk. We might even have a little fun event for the runners where they can self-time and win a prize. We're working on that right now. Uh, so whether you're a walker or a runner or you just want to have some fun with the games and with the teams, uh, we hope to see everybody there. That's Dan LaMagna, Affiliate Chair in EPA, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, and the Purple Stride event April 30th. To get anywhere, you'll have to drive. And Master Trooper Deanna Pekanski, Public Information Officer with Pennsylvania State Police, Troop P. Wilkesbury, and Rebecca Ryback, Coordinator of the Northeast Highway Safety Program, have the tips to keep you safe. Distractive Awareness Month, very important because drivers are always in a hurry in the morning and we want to tell them to take some extra time to get where they're going, slow down. Make sure you know um, the route that you're going to take so that you aren't rushing extra and just be aware of your surroundings, what's out there when you're driving. What do you mean when you say distracted driving? People are eating in the cars when they're driving. Some people are applying makeup. We have people that are arguing with their children, trying to get them to school um, or daycares, and they're just on their cell phones, doing other things that they shouldn't be doing when they need to be concentrating on their driving. Let's talk a little bit about that, because when we're talking about cell phones, hands-free is okay, correct? Yes. However, there are people that get totally wrapped up in their conversations or get into arguments and then start looking up things on their phone or trying to do two things at once when they should just be totally concentrating on driving. And along the same lines, let's clear up the texting issue. If you're driving along, texting is a big no-no. I know that. But what happens if you're at a red light? If you're at a red light and you're stopped, you could check it. However, a lot of people aren't paying attention at that point either, and they might take their foot off the brake. They're not paying attention to how fast the light might switch and change from red to green. So you still need to Pay attention to what you're doing. Your main concentration should be on your driving. And I know, of course, that you can be cited if you are texting and driving. So how would an officer know that? 
if you are going by a vehicle and you see a person with their head down, more than likely they're texting. It doesn't mean they, you know, always are texting, but generally when your head's down, you're looking at something that you might be holding in your hand or there's people that drive and they have the phone right up in front of them. So you could actually see them texting. Oh, so that's probably not a good thing if you're trying to use one eye out the window and one eye on the texting. And I know that there's a fine for that. The fine for texting or emailing while driving is $50. There's no point for a violation, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't change in the future. What would you like to leave with our listeners? Because you and... All of the other Pennsylvania State Police and local law enforcement are the ones who are on the front line of this. And a lot of times people say, eh, things like that can't happen to me. And besides, I can do two things at once. What do you say to that? You don't want to be the one that says, oh, I thought I had everything covered. I thought I could do it. I've always done it before and never had a problem because that could be the one time that you're going to have a crash and you could take somebody's life. I think that pretty much wraps that up. From Master Trooper Deanna Pekansky, Public Information Officer with Pennsylvania State Police Troop P. Wilkesbury, we go to Rebecca Ryback, Coordinator of the Northeast Highway Safety Program. It is springtime, and we're starting right. to see that things are happening out there, and hopefully the weather is going to give us a break. And that means that, of course, there will be things to be done on the roadways. So, Rebecca, Work zone awareness gets a big exclamation point. Right. April is work zone awareness month. And we just want to remind everybody that if you live in Pennsylvania, you're very familiar with the work areas on our local roads and highways. And with work zones comes the workers that are getting killed while they're on duty working because of people not paying attention in the work zone as they're driving. So we want to remind everybody that you have to pay attention. You want to put your headlights on when there's a posted work zone, right? So that's the first thing. So you want your headlights on. All motorists are required to travel with their headlights on in a posted work zone and not just active work zone. It's just if it's posted and there's a work zone, you want to have your headlights on. It is necessary for drivers and vehicles with daytime running lights to turn on their headlights in order to activate their taillights. So you want to make sure that your headlights are on. You also want to make sure that you are paying attention to the speed limit in the work zone. If you get pulled over in a work zone, that's double the fine. So you want to make sure that, you know, you are paying attention to your speeding through the work zone, that you don't speed through the work zone. You want to pay attention to the distance that you have between, you know, you and the other car. You just really want to take it slow. And you definitely want to have some patience because the weather gets nicer. A lot of people are going to be out driving and a lot of work zones are going to be happening. So you really want to use your patience, plan ahead your trip, and go on the website pa511.com and they will show you where there are active work zones happening. Um, They'll also show you if there's crashes or if there's a lot of traffic. So you can also plan your uh, travel around that also. Rebecca, let's clear something up and let's talk a little bit about the, what you had mentioned in the very beginning there, as far as work zone, active work zone. Sometimes, especially on the weekends, we may come across a work zone that still has cones in place or a barrier in place. But does that mean that we have to go 
the speed limit that's posted or can we go the speed limit that we're used to? All right. So an active work zone is when there's like a, a white flashing light attached to the active work zone sign. So it says active work zone when flashing. So it's flashing indicates an active work zone. The flashing light will only be activated when there's workers present. Um, if there's not a an active work zone sign with a light, you just want to be aware also um, because a lot of local municipalities may be doing work in the area and they may not have a sign like this. So you just want to be careful. But if there's not an active work zone, you still want to maintain the speed limit that's posted in the work zone. Okay. Want to clear that up because I know a lot of people say, well, they're not working today because it's the weekend. So you can still go through. But as you pointed out, there could be someone there who might be doing things to get ahead or to catch up, and that might not be a good thing. What else do you want us to know about work zone awareness? Are we going to have those areas where they also have the cameras that are monitoring like we did in the past? There are cameras in certain work zone areas, and they will they'll take a picture. And So there are cameras, so you want to watch out for that. If uh, you're caught driving 11 miles per hour over the posted speed limit in an active work zone, you could look at losing your license. Um, You could have a $500 fine for the first offense, and then it just goes up from there. You could also look at jail time if, you know, obviously there's a crash, somebody gets hurt or killed. So it is a serious offense, so they take it very seriously. So you really want to make sure you watch your speed through the work zone. As far as the idea of speeding, let's talk a little bit about that because you know, you said it, the trooper said it, everybody's always in a hurry. Right. And the speeding really ties into distracted driving and especially aggressive driving. Aggressive driving is someone who is in a hurry, they're speeding, they're tailgating, uh, they're not paying attention to the road hear like road rage or something, but speeding, believe it or not, is a sign of an aggressive driver. So you really want to make sure that you're planning ahead. And I know we keep saying that, but that's most important. You plan ahead so you're not in a situation where, you know, you have to rush somewhere. Also, if somebody is stuck in a work zone and they may be running behind, as soon as the work zone opens up, they may tend to speed when people get aggravated behind the wheel, when they're you know, aggravated with another driver, they tend to speed or tailgate, speed up, slow down. You want to make sure that you're driving with the posted speed limit. If you see someone who is speeding or being a, an aggressive driver, you want to make sure that you pull over, get out of their way. If you can call 911 and you know the license plate and everything like that, you can report it to the local and state police. And that sometimes is a very difficult thing to do, especially when you're on a two-lane road. Now that the weather's nice and things are opening up with the pandemic, there's going to be a lot more people on the road. They're going to want to go here, there. Um, They're going to want to go on vacation and stuff like that. Yeah, so if you're on a two-way roadway and someone is speeding up, weaving in and out of traffic, those are signs of an aggressive driver. So, um, again, like I said, you just want to try to pull over if you can. Um, and just really get out of their way because it's not worth it to go up against that person. You want to stay back because you just never know a crash can happen within minutes. And you don't want to get yourself hurt or anybody else hurt. 
Plus, we've been hearing a lot more about aggressive drivers doing things such as following you and let's stay away from all those kind of things when we're when we're out there trying to safely get from point A to point B. What, Rebecca, would you like to leave us with today? I just want to say that, um, again, with springtime on us now and summer coming up, you want to make sure that you look out for those work zones. You want to make sure that you don't tailgate. You follow the speed limit. Of course, always buckle up. Be patient and expect the unexpected when you're driving through these work zones. Tailgating. Forgot about that one when we're talking about aggressive driving because that's an aggressive driving maneuver too, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. Tailgating is definitely one of them. And and these are things that, you know, you wouldn't think about. But again, um, you know, people are like very stressed these days. Um, They're always in a hurry. Um, You know, they're distracted, uh, you know, and, and what have you. So. Uh, you know, we always say like your neighbor could be the nicest person in the world and you get behind the wheel and all of a sudden you're late and then you, you start doing these things that are unsafe behind the wheel. So um, you really want to watch out for that. And to all those people who are behind me, when there is a truck in front of me and we're going uphill, my vehicle doesn't fly. So I can't go any faster. Another thing to add to that is giving hand gestures to people. You might get really mad or aggravated. You don't want to be throwing the middle finger to people because then that gets them even more aggravated. And then if they're aggressive already, that's when they might start following you and, you know, drive closer, brake check you. So you don't want to be doing that to them. And you don't want to respond if somebody else is giving you the middle finger or some other kind of gestures and yelling and screaming at you. Oh, Trooper Pekanski, you you hit the nail right on the head with that one. Exactly. <laughs> Some good advice there from Trooper Pekanski and Rebecca Ryback. Now next, we have events galore on Special Edition. The NEPA Horror Fest and Scranton DIY Punk Collective is coming in June. Jess Mione has the details on the events and how you can be a sponsor. Jess, there's something big coming up that I know a lot of people in Northeast Pennsylvania are going to be excited about, and it's kind of scary. What do you got? On Saturday, June 25th, up at Circle Drive-In up in Dixon City, we are doing our annual NEPA Horror Fest event. Uh, Started out as a film festival and uh, focuses around all arts in the local region. Primarily, we're going to be screening Pet Cemetery Friday the 13th and Night of the Demon. And we're also going to have a large art market there with over 50 vendors and live music. So it is an all-day event. And tickets can be found at nepahorrorfest.com. And I understand you're having a special guest as well? Yes. Starring in Pet Cemetery was Miko Hughes. He's all grown up now, and he starred in a lot of other films, as well as Kindergarten Cop, as well as Full House, uh, the TV show. And uh, I think a lot of people will recognize him, and he'll be up there during the, the middle of the day in the afternoon for autograph signings and photos. Well, I know Pet Cemetery was probably one of the movies that really freaked me out. So I think you're going to have a great crowd because there's a lot of people like me that are saying, oh, bring it back on the big screen. How exciting. Now, before it gets here, you're still looking for some folks to get involved? We're looking for sponsors for the event right now. This event is a great way to promote someone's local business that supports the arts because not only do we have local artists that vend, we also have uh, local filmmakers that submit their films to be screened alongside these major films. 
So those lead up into the night and local bands play. So it's really a celebration of local people in the arts. And so we're looking for businesses that value those things and want to support us there. We have uh, a few sponsors right now, but we would love to have a few more to help support the endeavors that day. Now, if you have someone out there who's listening who would like to get involved in becoming a vendor or becoming a sponsor, how can they go about doing that? Our applications are at nepahorrorfest.com. All the information's there. The ticket sales are there. Pretty much everything you need to know is there, but we also encourage people to go on our social media account on the NEPA Horror Fest page and definitely click going and share the event page on there and help spread the word. That all helps too. And when we're talking about Horror Fest, for people who might remember it, it did happen in the past, correct? Yes, it's been uh, happening for a couple of years now at the Circle Drive-In. And really, it's meant to be an all-day event. So it starts around noon on June 25th, and people can come up and shop during the day, all the local vendors. And not only artists are there, there's a lot of collectibles there, a lot of people that have vinyl, records, VHS tapes, and kind of like a whole commodity of different, unique types of objects to to purchase and to network with other artists that are there and to hear some local live music. We're going to be having about seven different bands playing throughout the day. And then as it turns to dusk, then the movies will screen at night and people are welcome to um, come up and leave as well if they would like to take a break, maybe get some dinner in the area there. We'll also have some food vendors there as well. But just in case there is re-entry and kids 12 and under are free. So there's a lot of different packages of tickets available on our website too. You can buy an individual ticket. There's also a date night ticket. Or if you feel like going with a group of friends or family, there's a ticket for that too. So lots of different affordable options for people to choose from. And uh, we just hope to make it an exciting day where people can have some fun in the sun and then at night enjoy some spooky movies we call it spooky summer for our annual june event we do this again during uh, halloween but we wanted to do it at both ends of the year i I like the idea that you said sun in the in the daytime so i hope you know (laughs) something that they don't know and that there will be sun so if you will just give us once again wrap it all up for us the when the where and who you're looking for and how they can find out more about it Sure. This is the NEPA Horror Fest. It's on Saturday, June 25th at the Circle Drive-In in Dixon City. We are going to be screening Pet Cemetery Friday the 13th and Night of the Demon, along with some vintage trailers and a few local films. Tickets can be found at NEPAHorrorFest.com. Sponsorship packages are available, and there's going to be an assortment of an art market live music and movies, fun all day, different ticket packages to choose from, re-entry and kids 12 and under are free. Thanks again to Jess Mione for joining us and there's still time for you to be a sponsor for that June event. Now on special edition, there's still more coming up. It's Denise Coomer from Tracy's Hope and Hospice with details of their fundraiser to support their work with animals in the end stages of life and those in their foster care program. We have a designer purse bingo coming up on May 15, and that is at St. Mary's Center in Scranton. In order to get tickets, they're going to have to send a self-stamped addressed envelope to Tracy's Hope Rescue. 113 Foot Avenue in Duryea. 
and we will mail the tickets back to you. Thanks, Denise, from Tracy's Hope and Hospice with details of their fundraiser. Now it's Michelle Riley's turn. She fills us in on Are You Ready? NEPA Sings, the Mountaintop Rotary Train Ride from Mountaintop to Jim Thorpe, and this weekend, Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay, here we go. So we have bringing back the Jesus Christ Superstar all-female cast at the Phoenix Theater in Durier, April 8th, 9th, and 10th this year. Then after that, we've got Nipa Sings, again, fundraiser for Casa of Luzerne County. Auditions will be held April 23rd, final taping May 19th, and the show date will be June 16th. And don't forget the audition deadline for Nipa Sings is April 15th. That's so you can uh, be in for our April 23rd auditions again in person at the Think Center, South Main Street, Wilkes-Barre. Then we have the train, July 9th again, taking off in Mountaintop, heading to Jim Thorpe and bringing you right back into Mountaintop at the end of the day. Tickets are $70 each and can be purchased online at Eventbrite or in person at the Century 21 Smith. Oregon Group office here in Mountaintop or by mailing a check to our P.O. Box, Rotary Club of Mountaintop, P.O. Box 244, Mountaintop, Pennsylvania, 18707. All those online or mail tickets would be at the will call table when you get to the train excursion itself. Wow. You wrapped everything up. You've you've planned our whole, almost our whole summer for us, Michelle. Thanks. <laughs> well, thanks for having us on today so that we can get the word out there and make all of these events a huge success. We're very excited, you know, after two years of things kind of disappearing on us to just get back to some normalcy and uh, get people out in the community to enjoy all these wonderful things. Thanks for listening to Special Edition a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.